Welcome back to Square Horror. I'm your Duke of Spook, Danny. I don't see you. I'm the master of ceremonies, but I can't. D- Danny, I-, I can hear you, but I can't see you. I'm, I'm just, I'm covered because in all over, this snow. The... Oh, no, yeah. I mean, we're on the phone yeah. with each other, so we can't see. We're not Zoom. But because invisible, Danny, it was a bit. Oh, shit. <laughs> the game is yes and. You're in you're you're in a, a show right now. I would imagine that. Listen, the, I've been the gears. Are I've been turning. watching so much improv too recently. Like this is embarrassing <laughs> now. <laughs> I can't believe that. Like it's not that anything is bad. Improv is great, but I can't believe you'd admit that <laughs> in a recorded podcast. Listen, it's it's the college humor improv shows. It's game changers. It's make some noise. Those kinds of shit nice. always entertaining. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, it's the college humor stuff that we used to watch, which is pretty fucking great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. So, invisibility, invisible man. This is actually. I, I've almost forgot to mention it, but um, this is actually technically a wonderful world of remakes episode. Yes. Um, but like, it, this is one of the few that it's like not at all. It's very like different. Original. So we're it's it barely even bears mentioning. Mm-hmm. Because it's pretty much just the same name. Um, it's it's the rough concept, character. essentially. Well, not even Is it? at I this mean, point. I, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't seen the original Invisible Man. That's on me. I own it, though. It, I've always wanted to watch it. It is very it. different in that there's a different reason for invisibility and everything. And he doesn't right, try to yeah. hide it as yes. much. Um, mm-hmm. But I digress. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, that's because like I, I want to do spoilers for it up top before, like, after we get into the technical aspects of the making of it, because like, as much as it is like, yes, Invisible Man, like you're gonna get it mm-hmm. for the majority of this movie, you could be fooled, like I originally was when I saw it in theaters, that this movie isn't actually about an Invisible Man, but it's just simply like, actually, surprisingly, a very deep tale about abuse, yeah, and trauma. Because, holy shit, that's a... Eh, hello? Like, in case you didn't know, like, before you go into it, like, Jesus, is it an intense story about an abusive relationship? hmm Yeah. Uh, and what a nightmare it is to have, um, you know, every, when you hear stories about, like, abusive exes and stuff, um, they always get... They, from their victims, they're always under the, the assumption they're, like, <clears throat> they're so powerful and, like, all-knowing to their victims because they're so conditioned to fear them. Mm-hmm. But in this case, what a nightmare it is to have that abusive husband who is, like, actually as powerful and smart as you think and are afraid that he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just a quick logline that we'll get into the making of it. This movie came out in 2020. Um, I'm very excited to talk about production because it's directed and written by Lee Winnell, mm-hmm. who talked about on this show many times. Yes. Um, <clears throat> When Cecilia's abusive ex takes his own life and leaves her his fortune, she suspects that his death is a hoax. As a series of coincidences turn lethal, Cecilia works to prove that she is being hunted by somebody nobody else can see. Mm-hmm. So, like, not like the Claude Rains Invisible Man, right? Yes. <laughs> I, <laughs> you're going to be the authority, oh, if any of them. Okay. <laughs> not that we're going to bring it up, but, like, I don't know. Because, you, like you said, like, Wonderful World of Remakes, sometimes the changes are good. Yeah. And in this case, it's all about, you know, it's simply the concept, mm-hmm. but with a very different story. Yes. Uh, so talking a little bit about the development of this movie, 
Um, the initial development of a Invisible Man remake started in 2006 with um, David Goyer hired to write the screenplay, who remained attached to the project until 2011, despite very little development happening with the movie. And that's essentially Whoa, when it was David... scrapped for the first time. Yeah, um, uh, I think, isn't David S. Goyer associated with, um, he's associated with something, I think the Blade franchise, it's like Sandman Blade, on Netflix. Uh, Christopher Nolan's uh, Dark, Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah, so like he's pretty He's a big name. Dope. Yeah, I mean, and this movie already got some pretty major attention, uh, surprisingly. But like that, it's cool to see that even back then it was still being treated with respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, in February of 2016, the idea of the project was revived with Johnny Depp as the titular character for the dark, yes, uh, the dark universe with the Universal <laughs> yeah, the Monster Universal movie, dark universe, c- cinematic universe. Um, which failed twice. The fucking water. I say yep. it failed with 2014's Dracula Untold and then 2017's yep. The Mummy. The Mummy, which we won't be covering. It's not a horror movie. It's not an action movie. It's it, do- it doesn't know what the fuck it is. Um, and so at that point, they were just like, okay, we can't do this like cinematic universe bullshit. And so in um, January of 2019. Uh, Blumhouse took over some of the Universal characters as standalone stories, um, including yeah, the Invisible Man. Of, uh, Universal. Yes. Yeah, they're they're a subsidiary of Universal, so they've been uh, they've had access if they've wanted to to a lot of these classic characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of cool that instead of revamping the ma- the characters, they're revamping the concepts. Yeah. Like, so they have movies about like werewolves and like body switchers and vampires and all this like very universal monstery type shit, but they're doing it in a new, fresh way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Blumhouse is good. Yeah. For all their ups and downs, Blumhouse is great. Um, and so they brought in Lee Winnell, our 2B writer and director of this movie, right after he finished his movie Upgrade. Um, Fuck yeah. And he Upgrade. thought it was just to talk Ooh. about Upgrade and be like, it's successful. Um, but they yeah. kind of just like brushed that off and started talking. And he was like, wait, what am I here for? <laughs> and then they were like, what are your thoughts on the Invisible Man? And he said, keep talking. And they got into discussions. <laughs> Say more. Um, and they essentially were just like, can you please write us and make a Invisible Man movie that's compelling? And he said, okay. Um, <laughs> and then he... Uh, started writing it, and then by March, he started casting the movie because he was able to um, get the script written. Within a little over a year is when he went from being pitched the idea to the film releasing, which I have to commend him on a quick turnaround there because that can normally yeah, wow. break movies to have a 13-month well, turnaround. writer, too. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah. he's quick with his stuff. Yeah, he's quick with his stuff, and Blumhouse is producing it, and they, I mean, they make movies efficiently, mm-hmm. uh, so they, they know where to spend money. Like, they're very good and thrifty about where they're spending their money. And, <clears throat> and they can make, you know, what's up? Oh, uh, well, and going off of that, this is another movie that's made for a fairly low budget. It was only a $7 million production, um, because that's what Blumhouse does wild, best. Yeah, they make movies for a very low amount of money, but they don't do it just because. I mean, like, this movie felt a lot bigger than $7 million. Right. <clears throat> like, especially just the cast. Mm-hmm. Like, damn. <laughs> for, at, for 
in 2020, that's nuts. But we'll get into that later, too. Um, so, yeah. So, they were able to cast it all. Um, they filmed between July and September in Australia uh, in 2019. Um, and actually, getting ahead of myself a little bit here, our main our main character in this movie is played by Elizabeth Moss, who is a fantastic yeah. actress. I can always She's sing her praises. Really good. Um, she is really, really good. And uh, Lee Winnell worked very closely with Elizabeth Moss to make adjustments to the script to better portray a woman's perspective because he knows that he can't understand that completely. So he figured to use the actual woman's perspective, which I love that he was yeah. smart enough to use. That's what's so neat because, like, Lee Winnell is a decent writer like his dialogue has never really been great but mm -hmm. like the concepts are always really good yeah and there were at times that i like forgot he did this movie because it doesn't feel like i mean not to say that lee winnell doesn't know how to write characters but like this felt so much more human than mm -hmm. things that i'm used to him writing yeah um like i mean even like think about like the first saw movie compared to like the other saw movies just because lee winnell wrote them mm -hmm. uh which he did uh, but, like, the dialogue gets more human. It's, like, the more people he has around him to be like, all right, let's really dive deep into this. Mm -hmm. And Elizabeth Moss probably pulled a lot from The Handmaid's Tale, Yeah, uh, I would wager, for this, especially because of the character she has to portray. So I'm glad that he brought her in on that because it really paid off. Mm -hmm. um, and then talking a little bit about the actual release of this movie because it's in a very interesting timeline. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so weird talking about it retrospectively now, right? It's, it's a little weird that we're two and a half years removed and we can like look back at this time. Uh, like we were almost making this podcast when this happened, right? It's, it's crazy. Uh, so initially the movie was supposed to release on March 13th of 2020, which was like two days before everything shut down. Yeah. Uh, luckily, in uh, September of 2019, as they finished um, filming, they moved the release date up by two weeks for release in late February. So it did end up having a couple weeks in theaters before everything shut down. Um, yeah, because I remember seeing it in theaters. I think we may have seen it together. May I maybe I don't remember. Um, I don't know. I think I saw it here. Uh, but I might have seen it at home, uh, like, r on spring break, like, right before the world shut down. <laughs> right. Uh, so, luckily, the movie, again, was made for a fairly cheap production budget of $7 million. And in its first day alone, it made $9.9 .9 million on its opening day. Damn. Uh, and it went on wow. for <laughs> to, create, to gross a worldwide total of $144.5 million. In the, like, yeah, three that, like, weeks. Into quarantine. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. in, the, like, the three weeks before everything shut down, and then in subsequent weeks at drive-ins. Because, uh, thank yeah. God, drive-ins were still able to be around. Yeah, like, I can't even, like, I forgot that that was even a thing. Like, we, during quarantine, like, we ended up going to a drive-in to see Quiet Place 2. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just so wild that this all feels like another world from, like, even just now, because I feel like in a way, especially with this year, 
horror has like gotten back on its feet like a bunch of shit has been coming out consistently mm-hmm. like from the be- from the middle of this summer on like to now it's just kicked ass and it's been such a good time and it's just it's such a different vibe than like back then when it was like we really only really had the invisible man and we're like we were lucky that it was so good yeah um so that's most of the like behind the scenes on how this movie got made um so let's talk a little bit about our cast before we jump right into this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we talked about Elizabeth Moss. Um, she's great. Yeah. It, Holy shit. Anybody uh, can recognize her from <laughs> West Wing, Handmaid's Tale, uh, Jordan Peele's Us, I even. West Wing. I fucking oh, she love a, I the West about Wing. Us. Dude, well, I know she. I know. I know. Yeah. I just forgot she was in it. <laughs> Um, in this movie, but, she uh, plays yeah, Cecilia, as well. um, mm-hmm. who is an architect, which I will get into why I love that they made her an architect as well, um, but that'll come later. Sure. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself again. Um, so that, then that we really have... was the moment I was like, why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't matter. We'll get to it later. Uh, then we have Oliver Jackson Cohen uh, playing Adrian Griffin, yeah. who is our titular Invisible Man. Yeah. Also, also, he's like a criminally underutilized part of this story. Like, I forgot until I, I remember seeing it in theaters, like at the end when he's there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's Luke from like I, you barely see his face in the beginning. Yeah. Like, I didn't recognize him immediately mm-hmm. because he's so fucking good in Haunting of Hill House because he's Luke from Haunting of Hill House. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like in a couple of years, like this was like the next thing I saw him in. And I'm like, Holy shit. Like his blind manner. I don't think had come out yet. Yeah. Like, not I yet. Watched it. Um, yeah. So like this was it. And I'm like, Oh, Holy shit, man. He's so good. He also apparently did a Dracula mini series in the early 2010s, which I did not he know did. about, I but I love that. I think we touched on it when we covered haunting of Hill house, when we just talked about the whole cast, mm-hmm. but like we hadn't seen it and it was just kind of like, huh? Weird. Yeah. Uh, then we have Harriet Dyer, who plays uh, Emily, who is Cecilia's sister, specifically younger sister. Um, I hadn't seen her in anything else, but the big thing she's known for recently is a show called No Activity and a recent movie called Summer Love, mm. Um, mm. which intriguing. I'd, I'd like to see more from this actress because we don't really get to see a whole lot of her in the movie itself. Bro, but like, oh, but when like, we we'll do, to, like, the oh, scene. but like, we learn so much about her from mm-hmm. just that like two minutes, right? And it, 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 on a second rewatch, and I'm like, oh, okay, so like now I get to look at her knowing that she's like this type of person, mm-hmm. uh, and like this means so much, like all of these moments mean a lot more, all the little tiny nuances mean a lot more, so yeah. For not knowing her, I would like to see her again. This is really good stuff. Yeah. The whole movie is great. Oh, it's so good. Everyone nails it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then we have uh, Aldris Hodge, who plays uh, James, who's a police detective. Um. Yeah. Uh, Holy I shit. Think, I don't know if you've seen, I don't know if you've seen uh, Black Adam. But I like, haven't yet. Every, first of all, everyone, everyone go see Black Adam. It's good. It's probably going to be on HBO soon, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but he's in it and he needs, he deserves credit for it. Cause he's kick-ass in that also. Isn't he Hawkman? So I was really glad. Yeah. He's Hawkman. Hell he's yeah. The rules in it. And like, I didn't even care about Hawkman. And I'm like, dude, 
this character rules. You rule. And then he showed up in this. I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, man. Al Jassad is back. Um, people may also recognize him because he was in um, Hidden Figures a couple years ago, which I love that movie because I'm also a space nerd, yeah. thanks to my dad. Um, and, little fun fact, he was in Die Hard 3 when he was only nine years old. But, like, who's seen Die Hard 3? He, he had a character name. I haven't seen Die Hard 3, I think, in, like, 12 years. <laughs> so I couldn't tell you who it yeah. was. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I just think it's fun that he was in a giant movie series at the age of nine. Um... And that it's one of his, like, get over top credits on IMDb. Yeah, I think it was like, oh, he was the kid from Die Hard 3, and then he, like, got in some more movies. Like, no, nah, man, I really want to do this. Yeah. Uh, then we have uh, Storm Reed as Sydney, who is James's uh, teenage daughter, um, who people may recognize from Euphoria, uh, 12 Years a Slave, and the Disney Wrinkle in Time movie. That I think she Disney likes to forget. Another... <laughs> she also did another Blumhouse movie that I just never saw because it was one of their like just oh and here it is releases. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, God, I gotta remember the name. It was like it was something to do with like time travel and like a murder investigation. It was kind of, it was really really cool. Okay. Um, uh, God, don't let go. Um, I've been meaning to check it out. She did it uh, a couple years after. Um, written one time, but before Invisible Man. Mm-hmm. I also forgot that she's in the the new James Gunn, The Suicide Squad. She's Deadshot's, not Deadshot, Bloodsport's daughter. That's right. right. Whoever uh, Idris Elba's character is, mm-hmm. uh, she's in that for a, for a bit as well. Because I'm, I remember seeing this show and being like, that's the girl from The Invisible Man. Because I hadn't watched Euphoria at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I honestly never watched her equal in time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's fair. <laughs> uh, we also have, uh, Michael Dorman who plays Tom Griffin, uh, Adrian Griffin's brother. Um, uh, I don't think I've seen him in anything else. Some of his high, uh, things are a show called the Patriot and a show called Joe Pickett, which I believe is on Paramount Plus right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a little <laughs> fun um, note about um, why they named uh, Adrian's brother Tom. Um, because in the original um, 1933 film sequel, The Invisible Man Returns, Griffin's brother has a different name. He's named Frank. But in this one, he's named Tom, which is a reference to um, Griffin's assistant from the original novel, which I think is a fun yes. little um, Easter egg Nerd. that can kind of be some <laughs> foreshadowing. I Nobody knew that. <laughs> I'm glad that they did it. I appreciate it. Uh, but I don't know. It's some <laughs> foreshadowing that nobody knew was happening. Yeah. yeah. Great. <laughs> Um, I also just real quick, but the end, um, speaking of Lee, when I'll just get an awful upgrade, he brought over Benedict Hardy to be the like architect that, uh, Cecilia interviews with, Mm -hmm. um, when she's getting her shit back together. He was, um, the, the bad guy in upgrade who was like the dude with a gun in his arm who like sneezes drones, Mm -hmm. man. Remember upgrade? Bro, I I love upgrade. He was also in Hacksaw Ridge. (laughs) I saw, 
Um, which I don't know who he was right. in it, but that's wild to me because I also loved Hacksaw yeah. Ridge. So I'm convinced too, that if man. you just throw Benedict, if you just throw Benedict Hardy into a movie, I'm probably gonna love it. It sounds like at least from the three things I've seen him in. Pretty much. I mean, he kicks ass in everything that we that I've seen him in. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. Are we ready to to talk about yeah. this goddamn movie? We gotta get serious. Because uh, it's a very serious movie. Yeah, it starts off very serious. And I do kind of appreciate that for, like, the first three minutes of this movie, there is no dialogue happening. It's just yeah, actions man. that <laughs> tell you so much. Yeah, half the horror, at least in the first, like, good quarter of the movie, is is just purely psychological terror. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't really get that in horror movies very often, so it's very, like, disquieting and disturbing in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you're really scared when she kicks that bowl, uh, not because it's, like, a goofy horror movie scare. It's because what that means when you've gathered that she's trying to escape, mm-hmm. like, it's such a deeper, more, like, gut-wrenching fear. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah. so like Cecilia, it, Cecilia and Adrian um, are are married. They, it's the middle of the night. They're sleeping together, and we learn very quickly that um, they're very wealthy. Because mm-hmm. uh, um, Adrian is some kind of like evil scientist. Um, <laughs> I don't or dev of some kind. Yeah, he's he's an optics technology scientist. Um, yeah, yeah, he's like a Lex Luke Luthor, uh, like yeah. a Lex Luke Luker. Uh, Great joke. This is a very serious movie, though. Yeah. Um, but he's like, so he's like a very intelligent uh, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they live in this very like lavish home like on the coast of California somewhere, and Cecilia is methodically trying to be as quiet as she can as she escapes. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's like, all right, we're led to believe this is some kind of like very deeply abusive relationship, mm-hmm. uh, and it is. Um, I really can't even begin to imagine the daily horror that is life as the protagonist. Right. Like, it's not downplayed at all. No. How terrible her life is. Well, like, even when really she gets away. This- she still can't walk outside with feeling comfortable. We're gonna, oh man, like I just like we're gonna we're gonna get to this as we go through the story. But like it, it's just the the first half of this movie is viscerally, deeply upsetting. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you you know if if you if anyone you know has has been like this or that you yourself has had something even a portion of this, mm-hmm. it really hits home. Uh, and again, like I forgot that it's about invisible people, mm-hmm. you know, Yeah, <laughs> like it's because, because they're, they're choosing to do this for, they're spending a lot of the movie on it. Mm-hmm. They're taking it very seriously and they're not being disrespectful yeah. uh, when they handle this topic and they're very, um, true to form about what it's like for somebody in this scenario mm-hmm. as they go through the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, um, so before we get too far into this movie, I do want to talk a little bit about something I mentioned earlier. 
um, with the two main characters um, career choices being very um, another foreshadowing moment about the movie um, because uh, Cecilia is an architect and um, to most things architecture represents privacy it's the idea of putting up walls and keeping yourself away from the outside world um, whereas Adrian's job as an optics technology scientist represents the invasion of that privacy because people like Adrian are the suppliers for paparazzi and tech companies that are seen as leeches for data and are often criticized for their misleading privacy policies. So it lets you know right off the bat that she's trying to create a privacy from Adrian and Adrian is someone who is not easily deterred and will continue to search for what he's say the power he looks for. <laughs> yeah, you could say that yeah. about him. <laughs> like, like, okay, so so Cecilia has you know as this insurmountable to her task of leaving, mm-hmm. like to somebody who is not in a, an abusive relationship, um. It's it's very sometimes difficult to understand and empathize with somebody in that situation because you're like, why don't you just like leave? Why don't you just like get out? Mm-hmm. Like it's not that hard. And in a way, it's like watching her like sneak out like she's fucking solid snake. Yeah. Like it's so strange. It's like this is your home. This is where you live. Mm-hmm. And it's like escaping from prison. Yeah. Because that's what it is to you. Not only, like, in most, in, in a lot of abusive relationships, it's purely, maybe not purely, but in most cases, it's mostly uh, psychological. Mm-hmm. It's like a psychological prison. Yeah. In this case, like, why this movie is, like, so, it, why Adrian is so evil and why this movie is so good is it, it actually dials up the fears to a realistic place. Mm-hmm. Adrian is a probably, like, a billionaire. Yeah. He's extraordinarily intelligent. And he owns you, mm-hmm. like, legally, pretty much. It, I mean, it's like, look at, like, Britney Spears. Like, you can be legally owned in this country. Yeah. And it can be exploited by people like Adrian who can make you feel like you're, you're those walls. Like, I kind of question at that, like, her motives of putting up walls. Because I feel like as much as she thinks she could put up walls, Adrian built a cage. Mm-hmm. Like, he put he, – he, like that speech she gives, I'm sorry, I'm rambling. That's okay. The speech she gives to her sister uh, once she escapes about like the fucking Hail Mary suicide pass. Yeah. To escape this. When she felt like backed into a corner where it was like, I now I'm controlled with what I eat, what I say, what I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's going to put a baby in me and fucking lock me into this forever. So all I can do is call my sister. And it's mm-hmm. like, can you imagine the reality that calling your sister is like the the nuclear option yeah that's the suicide well and it's very clear that um cecilia and her sister already don't have a great relationship probably because adrian's been putting a wedge in between them probably since they got together no doubt uh no doubt at all yeah so it just it makes you understand like the terror and like you you mentioned in the um outline you created the other day um the genuine it's mostly just me ranting the genuine (laughs) psychological terror when she accidentally hits the dog bowl while she's trying to escape oh my god like it's palpable 
it's horrifying. Like that that's what puts you into her reality. Like her night her living nightmare that is her life. Mm-hmm. We're put fucking right into the middle of it right away. Yeah. And they shoot it and write it and act it in such a way that it puts you there within seconds. Mm-hmm. Like you know what it's like for this woman probably and the more you learn about it, the more like, holy shit, I can't believe you tried to escape. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, it's like the more you learn about it, the more you're like, bro, I would have just laid down and taken it. Like, I don't think I would have had the strength yeah. to do that. Um, I do feel bad for Zeus because he's stuck with the bro. monster man because uh, so, Cecilia mean, can't save yeah. him. She can't bring the dog, but I'm like, don't leave him with that monster. <laughs> but I will say, I think it's very important for a later theory I have um, that she did okay. take the shock collar off of Zeus. Um, yep. So he's not suffering, too. Hmm? So that he's not suffering, too. Like, she's trying to help still while she's escaping. Well, that and... I'm going to get into my theory now. Sorry, this might be starting into spoiler territory oh, okay. way more than That's way fine. earlier than I meant okay. to. Um, no, I, I said spoilers up top. Like, truly. It's, it's hard to talk about this movie without talking about, like, what happens in the endgame. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think that something that's important about her trying to help Zeus is that she accidentally puts the collar into her bag, and that's how Adrian can track her. To where she goes. Oh, shit. You're right. Because the letter... Well, I mean... The letter yeah. that uh, she gets about Adrian being dead was sent to her at that address before her sister was there. Mm. <laughs> oh, Which is just shit. terrifying. Right. Like, this whole thing Dude, is so okay. calculated. Yeah. That's what's... Like, I... I We'll get to it here in a second. So, like, okay, so Cecilia does manage to escape. She calls her sister to come pick her up at a at a, a location outside the house. Adrian does wake up and uh, chases and he them. Does almost get her. He literally like Winter Soldier like breaks the window mm-hmm. to try to grab her, and they just like speed off. And he but finds the diazepam that she left behind, yes, yeah, which she used to drug him. So, so she's. We'll we'll get into it later, but not only has she, she so she was using it to drug him so that he wouldn't wake up when she tried to to escape. Mm-hmm. She also later finds out that he has also been drugging her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know to what extent. I think that was that after the fact. But so I don't know. I was kind of lost in that. So from my understanding of that, it's not that he had been drugging her. It's that he had been giving her placebos for something else. And he drugs her when she goes in for her interview is the first time he drugs her. That was it. Okay. Because he he, uses that same diazepam against her. Yes. Which is fucked up. Yeah. So, so, you know, Cecilia is able to escape. She, I don't know the relationship with uh, the cop. Her and the cop. What is their dynamic? I don't entirely understand it if i'm being honest i I don't either Um, i think it's that they were friends from like childhood or teen they like knew each other growing up um but it was far enough removed that like adrian wouldn't have known about him um okay so i think that she knew james from long long time ago he just happens to be a police officer and so like it's a safer place to protect her 
if anything were to yeah. happen. Yes. And like, we'll meet him and his daughter later, but she, uh, Cecilia is living there for now. Mm-hmm. Um, and her sister is coming by to like, check up on her. And the, that and Cecilia's pissed. She kind of tells her. <laughs> yeah. Cause she's like, well, there's no way that you should have come here. Cause he would have followed you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's when she le- learns that shortly after, uh, she escapes and he found her, he went back home and committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that not only leaves her with this kind of weird empty hole, but now she has the freedom, she maybe feels like she has the actual freedom to explain to her sister and her friend what happened to her mm-hmm. and why she felt that that was like her endgame. Yeah. And because the fucker is dead, he has... A, San Francisco is such an evil hub for evil developers. <laughs> like, fuck this guy. Of course he has an evil will... That he's making her be there for. Oh, yeah, and the will is being done by uh, his brother, who's his lawyer. Right, so his lawyer is there, and he, he like, reads this statement that's, like, super smarmy and fucking awful. Mm -hmm. That he's, like, legally obligated. Like, he's still, like, torturing her from beyond the Well, yeah, and I love that Cecilia's lawyer is like, you don't, we don't need to hear this. You can't force us to listen to this. Bro, that's her sister. She's just, like, That's still her sister? You're not gonna walk over. Oh, I thought that was her lawyer. Fuck. No, that's bro. worse. It's her. Sister. Oh, that's worse. Because that's, dude. Her sister is her shield. That's mm-hmm. what's so cool. It's you see their dynamic, and it's like Cecilia. Maybe even when they were a kid, was maybe just weaker willed. But like her sister is a fucking bulldog. Mm-hmm. Like she does not give a fuck, and she's willing to protect her sister. All her sister needs to do is reach out and tell her that. Yeah. So like. Again, imagine when your mind is like, okay, the last card I have is calling my sister, and I don't think I would do that. And it's like, bro, she because you would tear it up. She'd be fucking all over your shit. Mm-hmm. But the the sad that she has no power over the sad reality is that because he, in his evil benevolence, mm-hmm. Adrian has saw fit to give her five million dollars. Yeah, in uh, like his in his like estates and holdings and whatever. But that's in installment and payments. So it's not all a lump sum. This fucking, this fucking guy split the money over time to give it to her. So she's constantly reminded of him. Mm-hmm. Like he did that on purpose. This fucking guy. Also, <laughs> one fuck. there's one line in that scene in particular that makes me uncomfortable before they give like the payoff. But I still don't believe the payoff. Yeah. Um, because... Uh, Cecilia's sister is like, we wouldn't be here if we thought there was any chance we would have to be physically near Adrian. And his bro- and Tom just goes, well, you are near him. And for a second, it like lingers on that for a second before he points to the urn across the room. But I'm not not convinced that Adrian is there as his invisible no, he's self. There. He's There's no him. way he's not he's the- there. I had this thing a little bit later, but like, yeah, he's definitely fucking there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guarantee you he's there. Well, and that's one thing that I kind of love about how they filmed this movie, because it can be really hard to just, like, completely take out a CG person, or, like, a fully green person, which they did have to use for some things, because they did different yeah. ways of filming the invisible person throughout it. They sometimes had to use people in full green get-ups, uh, sometimes they just did a bunch of wire work that looked cool, and sometimes they would just actually yeah. have nothing there that people might mm-hmm. think the Invisible Man is there, which is so smart. That was what I figured. 
Oh, I figured that was just be the cheapest option. Oh yeah, <laughs> to be honest. Well, with and you. Lee Winnell was like, like "Why?" <laughs> Lee Winnell was like, "Yeah, the Invisible Man is in most of those scenes, but only I know exactly which spots. That is just for me and my actors to know, and the audience can talk about it till they're blue in the face. They'll never know." Yeah, I mean that's what's so cool because this movie then shifts into the Invisible Man is not like a guy that put on a special lotion or whatever, mm-hmm. like the original one, and is just invisible. I'm like, all right. So I think her trauma like, is literally like he's not there, but he feels like he's still watching her. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to be a big like part of how she then goes about dealing with that. Um, but before we get into that, I have – a question about the latter scene. Mm-hmm. Danny, why does she give them a ladder? Just why does she give them a ladder? Yeah, I don't understand the bit. So I think it's a bit of a misstep. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> <Damn it. laughs> um, but no, uh, but I genuinely don't understand <laughs> why she doesn't just be like, here's the money. She has, like, a whole bit. So the ladder at first is just because he had a ladder that was, like, kind of falling apart because he doesn't have the money to spare to just, like, replace things if he doesn't have to, absolutely. Because he's a hard-on-his-luck single parent. Life's hard like that. Yeah. Um. So at first yeah, she just gets in the ladder to be like, hey, I'm a, I am can help out around here. I'm doing okay now. Oh, also, by the way, for your daughter, um, I'm getting a bunch of money, so I'm going to put her through uh, college and grad school. So Which I think it's like the sweet, sweet very it's like the sweet like tease before you like actually deliver a gift. I know it's just a very Lee Winnell thing to write. Yes, like, it I is. Just, like what? Um, but it is true, and it's so cool. Like, and also like this movie. I was putting myself in a lot of characters' perspectives when I was watching this one when I was doing the outline, and it's just like, can you like boom? Imagine all your fucking dreams just came true. Everything you want in your life, all your problems. You just got you just got solved mm-hmm. because you were nice to this lady. Yeah, like you know, it was probably so it was probably weighing on his conscience so much to be like, I would love for my daughter to be able to go to fashion school, but like I straight up cannot afford that. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, like boom, it's taken care of, and also like grad school, which means you're gonna get like a job yeah. in this that you really want to do, and probably gonna support your father and everything you wanted you've gotten, and it's just like. There you go. Mm-hmm. That's fucking great. It's like, a, damn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then we get to see our first of the Invisible Man actually interacting with Cecilia's life when she's making breakfast the next day. Bro, the shit's turned up. And I'm like, oh, man, did you see that shit? I shouldn't because uh, it was on my phone. <laughs> And I just had to write that in as an admission. Like, listen, I was being diligent in writing notes, and I'm like, oh, fuck, did I miss the stove thing? Shit. Well, and then we get to see Chekhov's uh, fire extinguisher, um, which will come back into Is play that what later. we're calling it? <laughs> well, like, that's the, that's the foreshadowing name. Like, that's what you call it when you see something that has to be brought notice. back. Uh, it's all because uh, okay. Cecilia doesn't know that you put out an oil fire with not water, because that'll make it way worse. Luckily, yeah, James's daughter yeah. knows better. Because uh, she's like, nope, <laughs> yeah, she's don't do that. Don't do that. 
Yeah, she's a fucking Aaron from your next in training. Yeah. I can support this. Except without some of the childhood trauma. (laughs) She wasn't traumatized. From your next? Karen... That's just Karen Strode, who was traumatized in childhood and is a survivalist. That's true. Aaron loved her life. I I guess. I think. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, uh... So, anyway... uh, that's about the same time, you know, so we know the Invisible Man, something's going on. There's a presence, the Invisible Man's probably there. Um, we don't know for sure until we see the breath, mm-hmm. dude. When she goes outside, and Ugh. it's just very, like, she's still very cautious of going outside. Like, she's too scared to get her fucking mail. Mm-hmm. Like, again, like, that's just goes, she has a lot of work to do. But she she goes outside in the cold and and there's breath behind her also mm-hmm. like her breath's being you know like it's 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 the moisture in the air and shit same things happening behind her and i'm like oh my god this guy this fucking evil dev this evil luke mm-hmm. fakes his death just so he can legally get to spend all of his time just fucking with his wife because how dare she leave him and that's like the fact that anyone would do this, mm-hmm. like I spent a, I didn't write it down, so I'll spare everybody. But I spent quite a bit of time using to myself, like the type of person that would want to fucking do this, like, oh my god, he, he gets like this probably was his fantasy from childhood to just fuck with somebody mm-hmm. forever, and he did all of that just so he could do it. Yeah, it's like he wanted he wanted her to leave him, like he fucking. What a fucking evil man. Yeah. Sorry. No, you're right. Like, that's something I think that should be talked about in this movie. Is just I can't how believe, like, evil I had such Adrian a visceral is. Reaction. Like, what a. It's, this, like, transcends. This is, like, fantasy villain evil. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't believe it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, then she goes to her job interview the next day in which she passes out because uh, she finds out there's a bunch of diazepam in her system. And she's like, but how is that possible? And then she sees the same bottle on her sink that she dropped when she was running away from Adrian in the first scene. Um, Yeah, man. Which also, I do love that they changed this scene from what it was initially supposed to be. Because, like, on the cover of the DVD or the Blu-ray and the poster and everything, while she's in the shower, they put up, like, the handprint of the Invisible Man. Ugh, and yeah. uh, Lee Winnell was like, you know what? We don't need that. It's scary enough that she just sees the pill bottle that she knows she hasn't seen since that night and that the only person who would have it is Adrian. That's terrifying in and of itself. We don't need the physical embodiment to show that he's there. We know. Yeah, I've, I, <laughs> I think it would just be gilding the lily at that point. Yeah. It's, it's a lot more... Um, it's a lot more tasteful and nice and kind of just scary when you think about it mm-hmm. to just imply it rather than actually do it. Yeah. Um, because, like, of course he fucking watches her when she bathes. Because he's invading her privacy because he's an evil, twisted fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's his whole, I'm so sorry. Like, I wrote in the outline, like, I'm going to preemptively apologize for this outline because it's just me being like, what a fucking cruel cruel man Mm -hmm. like he's i have no doubt that he like he's getting his fucking rocks off from this oh yeah this is all he's ever wanted to do Mm -hmm. like and this is just his he wanted her to leave him yeah so that she could 
he could do this. Mm-hmm. He built a. St- oh, we'll get to it later. But like, he built a fucking suit. He like invented technology for this to do this. Yeah, he's like H. H. Holmes and fucking Jeffrey Dahmer and Lex Luthor. Like, he's just evil as shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it cannot be understated. Yeah. Oh God. Well, and I love I that at like that I've point, my Cecilia Cecilia goes to the lawyer and it's like, "Tell him to stop. I know it's him. Tell him to stop." She's like, "I don't want to. I don't care about it. Just please, whatever needs to be done. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I know it's. I know he's out there." And then, and that's the first time her sister sees like, "Oh, maybe something else is going on here." Mm-hmm. Well, no, because at that point, the sister isn't in the picture anymore. Because the sister's gotten an email that she thinks is from Cecilia, essentially oh, saying that okay. Cecilia thinks that or wishes that she was dead and not in her life. Which yeah. is another so yeah. fucked up thing. Yeah. I-, I thought she just went to the lawyer with her sister because I didn't think she went alone. Maybe she took, um, no, she took her friend. That's she when took, she took uh, James. Because her, James is, yeah, she took because Tom turns to James and is like, "Do you know what's going on?" And he was like, "I have been told nothing. I was just asked if I could drive here." Which, yeah, like, also yeah. imagine yes, being in so... James's shoes at that point. Exactly. I mean, that's again, it's the first time. It's like, you know, maybe they didn't think it was going to be that easy, but maybe they were just like, "Oh, let's move on to something positive." That they were like, "Maybe we're going to be spared." a lot of the uh, rocky road to recovery for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and this just snagged on them, and they're like, oh, maybe they were just caught off guard. Because, like, both, like, you know, yeah, he takes it kind of in stride. Her sister does not deal with it well. Mm-hmm. And I, this is where I'm like, this is, it's so cool that we learn so much about her, even though she's not in a lot of the movie. We've seen that she's a fucking badass, mm-hmm. that she's, she'll stick up and she, she'll won't back down. Which means, if you've seen Encanto, you know also usually covers up for some deep insecurity mm-hmm. that usually only close family members know about. Yeah. And, of course, Adrian knows about it because he's a fucking psychological necromancer. <laughs> I don't know. He's just good at manipulating people. Yeah. So, of course, he figured that out, and he isolated her weaknesses mm-hmm. and knew exactly how to, like, cripple her. Every, he knew everything to say from Cecilia's mouth, what it would mean to her coming from Cecilia, and he wrote the email and sent it to her specifically to further isolate Cecilia. And because she's so caught off guard and is so crippled herself, Mm -hmm. Cecilia has, like, no way of, like, defending herself. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's just sad enough to see that relationship crumble because of this horrible bastard. Yeah. Uh, And so the next thing that really happens is that... um, Cecilia and Sydney are left alone while James is off taking care of other business when um, Sydney gets essentially like kicked or shoved in the bedroom when the only other person that she sees in there is Cecilia. Right. And we all, all the audience knows that wasn't Cecilia, but to any rational person, you would blame the other person in the room for assaulting you. And James yeah. does not take it well, which, again, I don't blame him for. If he thinks that Cecilia just attacked his child, I would also take her away and be like, hey, maybe don't stay here for a little while. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm glad that he didn't, like, it's so strange that he left. Mm-hmm. You know, like, 
I mean, she's lucky that he didn't throw her out in the street. Yeah. Um, I think it was essentially just so he could take, like, a lap, make sure his kid's okay, and get himself back into, like, a reasonable mindset so he doesn't say anything rash. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Uh, What a good man, man. He's a good good guy. But that is when um, Cecilia is able to figure out that Adrian's phone is in the attic. Which is yeah, he a terrifying this little, like, cat thing. Cat mouse game with her. Yeah, because he's already been sneaking in and taking pictures of her while she's asleep, and he like I forgot about that. Oh, I don't like that. Yeah, well, he left the phone up again. Imagine this is you. You're pretty certain that something is happening to you. You're pretty sure that Adrian is something to do with it. Mm-hmm. You don't know what it is, but now you know he's in the house. Mm-hmm. You go and it's just a phone. You open the phone. You find pictures of you asleep next to your friend's daughter mm-hmm. in the middle of the night that you did not know were there. And you don't know when they're from. He could have. This could have been from like a week ago. This could have been from earlier today, or, or whatever. So like, she's te- like this is beyond nightmare for her. Mm-hmm. And he's just getting started because she's at least still quick witted enough to decide like, okay, he's invisible or something. Mm-hmm. So if I, like, throw paint on him, there will be some kind of change. Yeah. And it's this is where the movie shifts slightly, maybe a little bit more than slightly, from psychological terror to, like, the movies in Blumhouse's, like, subcategory that are, like, also, like, Black Mirror concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, something like that new Megan movie, uh, or Upgrade, even. Yeah. This falls in line with that because they're doing cool stuff with like technology and horror Mm -hmm. because Adrian built some kind of predator suit uh, that's covered in cameras. Yeah. So that that can turn invisible. (laughs) So um, Lee Winnell did not anticipate um, terrifying like trypophobics who are the people who like don't like when things are um, like there's a lot of holes in things. Like if you've ever seen oh, those like yeah, creepy pictures a, of like the eyes of like the teeth on somebody, where like they add extra teeth. Like it's uncomfortable to look at. But like he didn't think right. about it until he read reviews of the movie, and he was like, "Oh shit, this is gonna scare other people in different ways than I meant to." And yeah. I kind of love that that like accidentally happened for him. <laughs> uh-uh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's scary enough, again, the concept of it, mm-hmm. um, once you kind of adjust to the kind of weird shift from psychological to, like, technology terror, mm-hmm. um, it gets very scary. Yeah. Because uh, then it's like, all right, he's also, not only is he invisible, but he's also got, like, it follows Michael Myers' strength. Mm-hmm. Like, he's, he'll fucking kill people. <laughs> Um, now, which means we can talk about the best and scariest scene in the movie. Before we get to that scene, though, I do want to throw a little bit for something that I've thought about in this movie, and I was actually kind of happy to read about it in the IMDb trivia as well, um, which is um, the scene where she throws paint on him is the first scene where you can reasonably imply that Adrian isn't the only invisible man. 
Uh, okay. Because the paint thrown on him would take more time than he has to actually clear that off of the correct. suit. And so there's a second person who wasn't covered in paint who is the one who attacks her after she goes to the sink where she thinks he got the paint off. That's only part of the yep. paint before Adrian escaped and the other invisible man came in to attack Cecilia. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I got a note about it a little bit later when that twist does come up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not super jazzed with the two people thing because like, it, it's already hard enough for me to comprehend the depths of horrible criminal insanity that lie within Adrian. Mm-hmm. But like... You're telling me he's also Jigsaw? Like, I mean, <laughs> like he just recruited his brother? I don't think it was recruitment. I think it was blackmail because that's what Adrian does best. I don't. Because Adrian okay, is manipulative. That's, then why wasn't he just a jig? Like, I literally, at the end of this movie, I just went off on his stupid asshole shitfuck, like, motivations. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, why didn't you just Jigsaw then? You selfish prick. Mm-hmm. Like, at least do something with your horrible, obsessive, violent streak. Yeah. I guess don't. I, I don't well, know. Well, it's all because it's all it's know. all about Cecilia. It's not about himself. That's that's what makes it get worse. Get a life, you dumb bastard. Ugh. Get a life. Get some fucking friends. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Go to therapy. I'm, please. <laughs> Before we get ahead of ourselves, though, we got to talk about the restaurant. Yes, we really do. Because, oh, my God, is this scene upsetting. Get into it. Get into it. Okay. So uh, Cecilia's not doing great, but she's been to um, Adrian's house now, and she's seen the suit up close and seen how it works. So she, yeah, so she's on the level. Now. So yeah, she knows what's going on, and she's like, "I need to tell somebody about this." And she's like, "James isn't gonna believe me because he still thinks I hit his kid, but the one person in the yeah. world I can talk to right now is my sister." So she calls her sister and is like, "Hey, I know we're not really doing well right now, but if you can meet me at a restaurant at eight o'clock tonight, I'm gonna try to explain everything as quickly as I can to make sure you understand what's been going on and that I'm not just crazy." And so yeah. she's at the restaurant, and she's not sure if her sister's going to show up. But then luckily, her sister does come in. They have this weird, li- they have this Lee Winnell dialogue with the waiter. Um, <laughs> but, like, I thought it was kind of charming and disarming and built tension. It did. Especially because then we lear- she says really sweet things to her mm-hmm. that, again, teach me a lot about their dynamic as sisters. Yeah. Ugh. And, <laughs> and then what happens, Danny? <laughs> so then, um, seemingly out of nowhere, um, a knife goes across her sister's neck and then is put into her open hand by what we assume is the Invisible Man. And then she closes her hand out of instinct. And then another restaurant goer sees this person with a bloody knife and the person across the table is laying on the table dead. And there's only one assumption at that point. Because nobody is just going to be like, oh, it must have been the Invisible Man we don't know exists. And, of course, because it's, of course, part of his asshole plan, 
of course, Cecilia is going to be viewed as criminally insane. Mm-hmm. Like, of co- she just got out of a horribly abusive relationship with a guy who's conveniently dead. Yep. And, you know, I mean, you could even cast this version. Like, oh, man, maybe she could have killed him. Mm-hmm. Look, You know, these women, when, like, you know, they can get even fucking sexist with it. Like, you know, these women, when they get abused, like, they're so dangerous, you don't know how to handle them. I'm like, no, dog, she's being, <laughs> he's gaslighting all of you. Mm-hmm. He's, with this stupid little, like, Easter egg hunt, but I'm cheating because I have a suit made of fucking invisible cameras. Yeah. But, and because of that, she gets thrown into a psychiatric institute, like a state hospital. Uh-huh. Um, and conveniently, it also means that legally she's not going to get any of that money. Well, and this is so also when she finds that, out she's pregnant. You know. Yeah, there's that fucking too. <laughs> so going back a little bit. Um, since we kind of mentioned it earlier, um, that was the placebo that Adrian had been giving Cecilia because she secretly started birth control and he figured it out. So he would put placebos in her birth control so it wasn't actually medication so that he could still get her pregnant, which is horrible and definitely constitutes... And why did he want to get her pregnant? Well, because then she's stuck with him for life for the sake of the kid. Exactly. Um, and so that's, that's why when the brother lawyer shows up and is like, Hey, um, so you're not eligible for this money anymore, but you can have it if you sign this, which says you'll agree to have the kid and go back and be with him. And like, fuck Uh, you, dude. (laughs) Like that's beyond fucked up. Like I, I can't die until uh, you can't die until you've had my son. That's literally what it is. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, yeah, because then she takes the pen and hides it in her room because she's not allowed to have pens. Um, but she starts to essentially try to kill herself when she's in the room that night. And then she knows that the Invisible Man is going to try to stop her. And that's when she's able to get a couple stabs in on him so his suit will malfunction. Yeah, and then that fucking guard comes in. Uh, and, like, could you even imagine you're that guard and you're just like, hey, get back in bed, lady, and then the predator materializes next to you? Nothing is more terrifying than being a guard <laughs> in that hallway sequence. Bro, he kills, like, eight people. It's a lot of people. He kills so many people in front of each other, and they're still like, hmm, that woman did it. And I'm like, dude... <laughs> You just saw that guy get, like, strangled and shot with a floating gun? Mm -hmm. So this is when uh, things get a little bit more clear in the, like, looking back in hindsight is 2020. um, Because Adrian, essentially, in in the pouring rain in the parking lot, um, tells Cecilia that she's the only one to blame now that he has to go kill James and his daughter to like show yeah, her he's that like, I can't hurt you but I can hurt who you, you care about child, so I will kill people that you care about to keep you in line mm-hmm. um, and it, at this point um, you don't really figure it out until the end of this action sequence but there are two invisible men in that house at one time and I think it sh- on rewatches, I figured it out more and more. Um, 
Oh, I didn't notice it in that house. So the reason I know there's two in the house is because um, when Sydney wakes up and um, sprays the one in her room, when she runs into the hallway, she runs into another one. That's why she falls down. Got up and and attacked her. I thought that it was the same guy. So the reason I think it's not is because for one, when you're um, sprayed with fuck, what's it called? Uh, mace? Huh? Is it? It's mace. You mace the guy. Yeah. When you're sprayed with mace, first of all, it's going to disorient you for a while. But also, again, getting ahead of myself. But when we see Adrian next, he has the red eyes. Tom doesn't have that. Does he? He has... How the fuck did you notice that? Because I was looking for it. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I was oh, looking for this stuff. I've, it's been a while since I've seen this movie, so I didn't remember that. Yeah, I, I had been wanting to rewatch this to like figure out if my theories rang true, and I was so glad that this one did. Um, because, yeah, Because yeah, there's a point in, in the outline where I'm like, motherfucker, there's two killers. <laughs> like, I clearly did not remember that. So, yeah, there's two killers, and um, Tom is the one in James's house, who essentially beats the ever-loving shit out of James, and tries yeah, to... Yeah, so Tom did that shit? The lawyer? Yeah, that was the lawyer, dude. Motherfuck... Okay, this even supports my shit later. Anyway, continue. Uh, and fun fact, they didn't know that... Um, if you, like, use a fire extinguisher on something, um, it doesn't stick to it like it does in the movie, so they had to CG that later. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Cecilia comes in, um, uses the fire extinguisher to, like, show that there's an invisible person so that she can find it, and, and then, then she yeah. takes and James's gun and unloads a clip into his chest. Yeah, man, she fucking kills the guy and then gets to unmask him, and she's and like, it's oh, it's not fucking lawyer? Yeah, and it's Tom instead of Adrian. And then they send, um, essentially, a SWAT team to Adrian's house to be like, hey, what the fuck is going on here? And Adrian okay, has... and then this is when it gets even more... Oh, Adrian so has faked his own kidnapping to try to lay the blame all on Tom. How in the planet... Did he expect this to work? I think this was a backup plan. I don't think this was his main plan, but I think this was a backup plan. I think Adrian had, like, 12 contingency plans in case any step along the way fell apart. Because he seems like that kind of asshole. Okay, probably. Yeah. <laughs> With respect, may I just at least lay out my thought process? This in no way means that the movie is flawed, because you're right. He could just have a bunch of contingency plan- plans, and I'd buy that, mm-hmm. because, again, he's like Lex Luthor, but evil. Mm-hmm. Um, so just my thinking, again, because I hadn't seen the movie in a while, so I, didn't, I was trying to like piece together in my mind the two-killer arc, and I just kept running into some questions. Mm-hmm. Um, first and foremost, like, how the fuck are you going to get this lawyer guy to do what you say? Like, I'm st- I was still kind of convinced that he was, you know, like, the type of guy that has a brother, or like, a younger brother. I would assume they're a younger brother, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so his younger brother, uh, you know, be someone that is a super, like, I'm getting ahead of myself. He's manipulative, right? Yes. You mentioned that. Uh, his brother alludes to the fact that he's manipulated him in the past as well. Mm-hmm. And is probably continuing to manipulate him in the present. Well, yeah, like, the theory is that he could manipulate him because he's doing something illegal. If Adrian told That's the, true. like, board true. about what 
uh, Tom did for him, he would be disbarred. Yeah, he'd be disbarred and go to prison. Yeah. And go to prison for whatever it was. Yeah. So, you know, I was like, he's going to set his brother up? And I'm like, how did he get his brother to dress in that suit, train to beat men to death, mm-hmm. and then execute a bunch of murders of, like, innocent people? Yeah. Uh, and spend time that he wasn't being a lawyer because like adrian's dead he can play invisible man all he wants mm-hmm. his brother is alive and like has a law lo- has a job and probably like a life mm-hmm. i would imagine maybe a little bit um and he just spend time surveilling this woman and like, you're right your theory makes sense that like maybe he literally just pays his brother to do what he says so like he doesn't actually like have a job that like people would miss him from mm-hmm. So he could spend time doing this. So I buy that also. But also, because, like, the only times that Tom confirmed does anything is at night after business hours. It's not during the day ever. Tom is mm-hmm. only Adrian can do it full time. Tom is essentially doing it as a part time job at night. <laughs> yeah, he's got he works part time hours. <laughs> So, because I'm, like, thinking, you know, if, if his brother is maybe just evil mm-hmm. um, or whatever, and he, that he's just, they're just two fucking horrible men that, that decided to do this, and he is Jigsaw, uh, you know, I, what was his plan? Was it going to be, like, like, no, like, Adrian's plan on this. Like, he's going to, like, what's his story? Mm-hmm. So, like, the day his fiance happens to leave him, his brother just decides that he's going to fake his brother's suicide, mm-hmm. steal the suit that Adrian's made specifically for this reason, and then use it to stalk this other woman into insanity so that he could do what? Was Adrian's goal that the p- cops were going to think that, like, if he pulls a Scooby-Doo and his brother just, like, does this whole thing to, like, get money from him? Mm-hmm. Right? Does that? I mean, that sounds half baked. Yeah, I don't. Me. I mean, my guess is that he, if Adrian had to try to explain it, he would have tried to manipulate it into something about how Tom was always in love with Cecilia or some bullshit, make it a crime of passion or something. Probably because Adrian's that kind of asshole. He's just that kind of asshole. That's really all the explanation I need. <laughs> So I'm, you're right. So that's why I'm like I'm more comfortable sharing all those thoughts because it's not in the sake of like negativity because the movie has something wrong with it. I was just like, bro, the mental gymnastics I had to go to to still give this guy the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. that he would be maybe just too stupid to have a plan. It's like no, he thought of everything. He's criminal mastermind. Yeah. Also, I did forget to mention this earlier, but I do want to mention it now because I think it's brilliant of on Lee Winnell's part. Um. The first two ways that Adrian fucks with Cecilia is literally gaslighting her. Because first it's turning up the gas on the stove, and then it's the light of Flash when he's taking her pictures. Lee Winnell, you cheeky fuck. Like, isn't that just so smart? You're Yeah, that's fucking really good. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that in there so I wouldn't, like, regret not mentioning it. <laughs> like... I would say it's kind of like a joke, but it's not. But like, it's, it's taken still a very seriously, serious yeah. Movie. Yeah, it's like, it's just like a, a very, again, it's just like, huh, what a fucking horrible prick. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like, um, 
So that brings us to the, the big climax ending of the movie. So now that Cecilia has killed the brother and Adrian is kind of forced to admit that he's not dead, mm-hmm. uh, he has to go on the defensive. He has to play the part of the bereaved spouse. Like, I'm so glad you're back. You know, like, actually, he has to start again. Well, so and it, she calls him. Moment. Yeah. Because she, oh, yeah. she sets up the dinner, essentially. Because she yeah. knows that she's going to be, she thinks she's going to be able to get him to admit it if she shows up to this thing and is kind of non-conspicuously wearing a wire. But there's no way he doesn't yeah, see that coming. <laughs> Again, this was me giving him the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, bro, she's clearly wearing a wire mm-hmm. and she's clearly trying to get you to confess. Aren't you like some kind of super genius like, you should see that coming a mile away mm-hmm. if you're some kind of Manson-level guru who can just mind-game people. And then I was like, oh, no, he totally did know. Mm-hmm. And then he still finds a way. Like, she tries to, like, out-gaslight a gaslighter, mm-hmm. but she fails because, like, this is his game, man. Like, yeah. You're not going to beat him at his own game. Like, it's his confidence that, like, you're not going to beat me at my own game. Well, yeah, and, like, that's when uh, he like, uses he the surprise against her that he used yeah. earlier in the movie, which is awful and uncomfortable yeah like he knows the cops are listening so he's like i'm going to find a way to tell her that i did it in a way that only she will know Mm -hmm. and he figures it out and it's like the cops aren't able to tell like he's like super villain level patrick bateman yeah he just has the whole fucking thing nailed Mm -hmm. um which leaves Cecilia with the old, now that she has exhausted all other resources, mm-hmm. the only way that she can be rid of this fucking animal is to kill him. Because when she went to his place, in the same place that she hid her escape bag at the beginning of the movie, she's hidden one of his own invisible man suits so that she can use it to essentially, according to the cameras and the wire audio, um, make it so he committed his own suicide for real this time, and that she called the police when she got back from uh, powdering her nose in the bathroom. And she has it on fucking video. Yep. Yeah, there's no way that they can, like, pin this on her. Because when she starts to be real with him, she's out of sight from all the cameras, which is so smart. And just, like, a baller move for her just to, like, get off the phone and go blank face to just stare him down as he dies in front of her. Dude, oh, man. It was, like, the most girl boss I ever Right? Like, I'm not really the type, and I'm like, bro, fuck, yeah. And then what does she also because do, Matt? What, she takes the fucking dog. That's right, Zeus is hers. <laughs> yeah, but, like, what was the most standout thing to me was, like, in the end, she does get to leave him. Mm-hmm. She gets to leave him out the front, the front fucking door with her head held high. She gets to do that. Well, yeah. And, give and James shows up. James shows up and is like, "Oh my god, I, I heard he's dying." And she just went, "Yep, he killed himself. So everything's gonna be okay." Right? <laughs> and that, and I'm like, "Oh, bro, that was so cool to me." Uh, and it's such it's a good so ending for this movie. And I really yeah, hope they is. don't it, make a sequel to it. I don't know if what? they will. I hope they don't make a sequel. Uh, just because I love how this movie is as a standalone movie in and of itself. Um, I know that... Who said they're making a sequel? Both Lee Winnell and Elizabeth Moss have been open to the idea of a sequel for this movie. But neither have done a whole lot of work into it. 
They're just both like, we would love to just do more with these characters if another story happens to come across our plate that we like. I mean, or you guys could just write another movie together. I was like, just, 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 work, I mean, just work together cool again. That. That'd be great. Yeah, just do something new. Like, by all means, like, it'll be great. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure there's, other, there's something else that you guys can, like, make that's fucking just as deep and incredible. Yeah. Because you proved it. Like, the mo- probably one of the most successful movies over quarantine, mm-hmm. like, of 2020, was this movie. Yeah. And it made such a huge return right out of the gate. It had people that knew what the fuck they were doing. Uh, behind the camera, and th- thankfully, because Blumhouse and James Wan might be getting married soon, yeah, like the companies are gonna merge. Atomic Monster, James Wan's production company, uh, home of such gems as Mortal Kombat, uh, are also going to be merging with Blumhouse mm-hmm. because I mean, Blumhouse was pretty much invented by Lee Winnell and like Jason Blum anyway. Mm-hmm. Like all the OG like. Blumhouse movies were always marketed as, like, from the producers of Paranormal Activity, Jason Blum, mm. and Saw, James Wan and Lee Winnell. Yep. They just created Blumhouse, like, the the little poor niche of Blumhouse. Yeah. And it's like, now they're just going to make it, like, official and bring James Wan back. Because, off topic, and we'll talk about it off camera, in a way... Um, I finally watched James Wan's Malignant the other day. Oh, I really want to see it. Rules, I really want to see it. We need to cover that movie. Holy shit. Is it impressive and nuts. Awesome. Uh, but for this movie, I'm glad Lee Winnell still was able to knock one out of the park. I loved Upgrade. Mm-hmm. And for this to be his follow-up to Upgrade was very awesome. Yeah, this is a great movie. I would highly recommend this to anybody. Be prepared for, like, a big emotional roller coaster, though. Don't go into it if yeah, you're just like, looking for... This in. is not, like, a fun Lee Winnell movie. This is a deep horror movie. Like, this is going to hit on multiple levels. And I think that's why it's so successful in being a quote-unquote remake because it is something that does something very different off of a basic concept and it does so with just ingenuity honestly because how this movie is written and uh, filmed and acted everyone's given 110 percent this whole movie they really are man it's so great it's so good if for nothing else, like, it's not just a great horror movie. Like, it gets more into horror areas later, especially, like, once it becomes, like, the Blumhouse Black Mirror type stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like, the first half, quarter to half of it, like, it's just a solid movie. Yeah. Like, it's just such a good thriller, and it's such a great representation and a respectful representation of something that's very important and uh, doesn't really get portrayed in an honest way. And in this way, it's, like, dialed up to, like, the true intensity of what someone going through that is like to experience yeah so it gets people that maybe aren't as empathetic to maybe view it from a different perspective Mm -hmm. um and that's neat i think it's neat yeah i think it's great uh i i'm so glad we got to talk about this movie matt yeah, like, I was just like, wonderful world of remakes. We could do whatever. So we might as well do the movie that's pretty much just its own movie inside. <laughs> Yeah, uh, such a good one, man. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Well, follow our Instagram at the underscore square horror podcast. You can reach us at square horror podcast at gmail.com. Uh, the advice I have <laughs> is, is truly very genuine. 
Um, I'm going to slip into a very serious moment. Uh, talk to your friends, talk to your relatives if uh, you feel like they're in a, an abusive relationship. The worst thing that that person can do is try to cut you off more. Uh, but it will mean so much to that person in the long run if you reach out and do something. Um, sometimes it's hard for people to get help. Uh, and I'm, I'm studying this sort of thing right now. So I think it's very important that even people you don't think need help uh, could use just a kind word or a check in every now and then. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, it helps them to know they're not alone. And that's really what a lot of these people that leave relationships like this need to know is that they're not insignificant and they are loved and there are people there that care about them. Uh, so that is my serious two cents. That's probably serious. That was, I say that show. was, that was just um, good <laughs> advice, Matt. I'm re I'm really glad you were able to say yeah. that for this. I mean, I honestly feel like the last couple of movies have hit on me a little bit harder just in terms of the themes that we've covered. Like I think about this and Halloween ends a lot. Mm -hmm. Like I'm working through uh, doing uh, trauma therapy right now. Like I'm learning it in school and literally it's all the tenants are exactly what Laurie Strode did in that movie of like, it's so much easier to let go of the hate because you can't do anything about a trauma, mm -hmm. uh, but you are able to do something about how you're going to interpret it and how you're going to let it affect you. Um, because once you can kind of, you know, once it's not, you know, it's not about you. It's not about, oh shit, I can't trust people anymore because you know it wasn't a thing that you could have stopped mm -hmm. or anything like that. So between that movie and this movie and just what I'm learning towards the end of the semester, it's like, oh shit, man, I just get like really passionate now. <laughs> Yeah, that's great, man. Well, so that's real advice on, on the from <laughs> masters with a, with an almost master's degree <laughs> of ceremonies. I that is not. I did not come up with that. Someone told me that. Um, but yeah, that's that's some real shit. All right, and until next time, you all stay spooky out there. Mm -hmm.